Verbally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview-style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus. With producer Sanaa Marie, each week I'm joined by a featured guest with roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose the highs and lows of their pursuits and how through their passion they are moving the culture forward be sure to follow verbally effective and ina esco on instagram also download the verbally effective podcast on soundcloud itunes and google play music don't forget to check out the website and submit to be a guest at verballyeffective.com breaking news out of over thousands of applicants the Verbally Effective Podcast has been selected to showcase at the 2020 South by Southwest Festival in Austin, Texas. Ina Esco will be interviewing Taylor to the Stars and Memphis native Rich Fresh on the big stage. Hey, what's up, guys? It's VA, Virginia Awkward, CEO of VFit Lifestyle, ambassador of Sculpt i I'm just hanging out with my girl Ina Esco with Verbally Effective Podcast. Hi, this is Dominique Lawson of Owls LLC, and I'm hanging out with Ina Esco in the Verbally Effective Podcast. Malone Marketing, building one brand at a time. We specialize in website design, logo and graphic design, SEO content and strategy, and social media marketing. Contact Team Malone Marketing today at 901-213-8551 or check out the website at teamalonemarketing.com. Peace, ladies and gentlemen. I am Brother John, a.k.a. John Best, and I'm verbally effective because the nouns and verbs that you're about to hear is going to affect you in some shape, form, or fashion. Peace. Standing 6'8", John Best, a.k.a. Brother John, is tall in stature, but it is the size of his heart and his love for his community that makes him an invaluable asset to the city of Memphis. This gentle giant currently serves as the general manager for the Department of Broadcast Services, 88.5 FM and C19 TV of Shelby County Schools. Since taking over the voice of SCS in 2018, Best has made it his business to ensure that the department has its hands on the pulse of what is happening inside and outside of the schools. He has transformed 88.5 FM and C19 TV into a powerhouse for students to create content for radio, TV, photography, podcasts, graphic arts, and anything else dealing with digital media. This allows students to obtain real-world experience while they gain a quality public school education. Best is a graduate of Whitehaven High School, where he was a standout varsity basketball player. Upon graduation, he attended Tennessee Tech on an athletic scholarship, where he played for four years. Best then entered the NBA draft and was selected 36th in the second round. He spent his 20-year athletic career with the New Jersey Nets and several international teams. After retiring from sports in 2007, he put the basketball down and picked up his other passion, youth. 
Bess returned to Memphis and began working as a school resource officer at Shelby County Schools, helping to keep students safe and instilling valuable lessons through word and deed when he could. He served seven years in that position before entering the classroom as the digital media teacher at Havenview Middle School. He later took his talents to the Department of Broadcast Services as management and a beloved on-air personality. Each weekday from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m., John Best uses this opportunity to spearhead thought-provoking content, new initiatives, and community events. John Best's mantra, be, do, have, is his recipe for success. He strives to incorporate it into his daily living as a means to uplift our youth and demonstrate the power of a good work ethic and positive energy. Oh, wow. All right, all right. The Verbally Effective Podcast, your double E, Ina Esco. We are at episode 108. You guys know I like a good eight. And today I have Mr. Mr. Brother John. Let me mm. tell you about Brother John, ladies mm. and gentlemen. Oh, this going to be <laughs> He is currently the general manager for the Department of Broadcast Services for 88.5 FM and C19 TV. I have met John a while back. We're going to get into when we first met very shortly. Mm-mm. But welcome to the pod, Brother John. Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here with yes. the, the queen of podcasts in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, everybody must know. If they don't know, I'm going to tell them. I think, I mean, I know it's other people doing podcasts. There's but a few others. You've been very consistent. Right? I've been watching you. I've been Okay, and I remember when you were showing me the artwork, like what you think, and you know, get my feedback in the beginning. But I knew you had something, and I said, Thank "Let me just you. watch. Is she gonna keep going, or is she gonna fizzle out?" But I'm proud to be Thank on that hundred and eighth episode. I ain't gonna say why I gotta wait till hundred and eight, <laughs> but I'm good. I'm it's good. It's all good. You are sitting before me, and I just before we start, I want to thank you for everything that you have done for me. I know mm. that we have been communicating for quite some time. Mm-hmm. I did a. I think two episodes, two um, interviews with you on your show. Right. But you have always had open arms. Yes. With, you know. Part you know, of being a brother. Yes. I, and, and that's true, though. That's, that's true. true. That's you real. You have always been very welcoming, very open, want, you know, you want people that are in this field to flourish. Everybody. Yes. I don't, I don't see no You're not barriers. discriminating. Nah, everybody. No they know barriers. What it is. No, no barriers. Right. You want you want what's best for your children, I want what's best for mine, right? Right. You want a roof over your head, I want a roof over mine. Right. But why am I going to let somebody put up an imaginary boundary would be like, oh, don't talk to them because their dial is whatever. Well, there we go. Nah, you mean, know, nah, nah, in, nah, in this you, type of industry, right. you, de- you do see competitiveness. Right. You, de- you see things of that nature. But I've never felt that from you. No, I'm not competing against nobody. I'm, I just want I'm competing against myself. Yeah. So if somebody, and that's who we should compete with yo, I, I, <laughs> to hey, make look, ourselves better. I stay in my lane. Right, right. Well, Brother yeah. John, we're going to kick off the Verbally Effective Podcast, Episode 108. It's mm. all about you, John. Uh-oh. It's all about Ooh, you. that's hard. Ooh. First question. All right. Are you originally... From Memphis, Tennessee. No, I'm not. All right. Well, All you right. know a lot of people don't know down, that, see. but you know we hear we hear you we hear, hear, the little, that. hear the accent. I've been trying to accent. hide it. I've been, <laughs> I've been trying to say Maine a lot. I'll be in the mirror saying Maine, Maine. <laughs> you need to practice. I need your to mind. practice and practice my Maine. But uh, I'm I'm born and born and raised in a place called Neptune, New Jersey. Right. Okay. It's close to the Jersey Shore, so I know people remember the Jersey Shore show. That was a little South Jersey, but I was right by the beach. Right. So oh, I grew wow. up. 
um, in a place near another city called Asbury Park. But Neptune, New Jersey is the official birthplace and where I learned everything up until age 16, right? Okay. At age 16, my father says, uh, yo, let's, let's pack up everything and move down south and go wow. like like go down south. We were supposed to go to a family reunion, mm-hmm. right? And then, but we packed up everything and sold our house and left. Put everything wow. on the back of a U-Haul trailer and the dog, and we rode from Jersey to Memphis. Wow. And so cross I'm like country. cross country, and I'm like Memphis, dirt roads. Yeah. I, I thought it. I, I promise you, I'm no diss, no no nothing. <laughs> I just thought that, like, going to school, I would be going down, like, farm roads. So the very first spot we landed was Bellevue and Macklemore. Over South there. Memphis. South Memphis. Yeah. I said, I thought, this this <laughs> reminded me of New Jersey. This Did was, it? Yes, it was okay. the city. You know, you know, it was the, the neighborhood. I'm not going to say the hood. It was the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, this is... Okay, so when I my grandmother lived in um, off Florida in Third, so that was deep South Memphis. Okay, so we did the family reunion. Everything was cool. I said, "Yo, the vibe down here was tight." Mm-hmm. So I said, "Well, what school? If I stayed, what school would I go to?" And they said, "Well, you would go to Hamilton." Mm-hmm. So I went up to Hamilton, saw what that was like, and I was like, "Okay, this is cool." But then I was like, "But it's slow down here." Like mm-hmm. I was just so used to the heavy, fast, fast moving. Yeah, but. Long story short, mother and father couldn't find a job down here, so they was getting ready to go back. So I went to my mom and said, could I stay? Mm. You know, and I was with like. With grandma? With grandma. Okay. But they said, if you stay, you got to stay with your aunt and uncle that stay in Whitehaven. Oh, that's even better. So I was, you know, I really didn't know all <laughs> yeah. the, you know, neighborhoods now. But then I was just like, yo, I want to stay. So mom said, stay. They went back to New Jersey, left me down here. Wow. And all these years, but this was 87, 88, about 87. So I've been down mm-hmm. in Memphis since 1987. So I love yeah. the South, don't get me wrong. Okay. But it's just, I've been trying to hide the accent, and no. everybody said I can't hide it. So No, they yeah. can't. But I bet they weren't saying you country, though. No, they weren't saying, no, no, no. <laughs> That's no. what I got a lot of when no. I moved at 16, you country. Now, when I went back home, like, for like uh, six months later, man, you country is all know yeah. what. I'm like, what? Yeah. But yeah, but Memphis, I, I got a lot of love for Memphis, Okay, though. so you went to Whitehaven then? Yes. Okay. Okay, so 11th, 12th grade year. 11 and 12th grade. Okay, so what activities did you participate basketball. in? Basketball. That was my that was a rapper and I was playing basketball. And a rapper? Oh yes. Where yes. did it come from? Well, in New Jersey, that's what I we was doing. I was like I was there when hip hop started. So mm-hmm. I had a rap group back in New Jersey and then I was, you know, still writing. So when I got to um, Memphis, you know, and I, got, I linked up with a, a boy, a brother named Carlos Brody. Some of y'all know him yeah. as Six July. Mm-hmm. He was the first person I met when I moved down south. Him, shout out to Richard, shout out to Kevon J. Kevin was one of the ones I met. Mm-hmm. But me and Carlos got together and we had J Love and C Love. And oh, I was writing wow. rhymes and he was DJing. 
Brother John, give me a little something. Ooh, no. Dig in the bag. Dig in that rap a lot bag. Let me hear a little a little Brother John. See what you say? It's the J Love. It was J Love, man. It was J Love, man. Just Lord over all vicious everlasting. Wow. I, I had to break I had to always have some kind of meaning to what I was saying. Okay. I it was yeah, it was bragging, but I always was trying to tell somebody something like, mm-hmm. we don't need to be doing this, we need to be doing that. I I'm more of a I was more of like a con- semi-conscious rapper, you know, so it was mm-hmm. always about the community upliftment, trying to do better, you know, don't eat pork and all that type stuff. Okay, so you're in Whitehaven at this time. Yes. And, and you said about 87, 88, Whitehaven mm-hmm. was booming at that time, right? Whitehaven was popping. So I didn't really know, it. but it was it was cool, you know. It was, you still had the element, but it wasn't like the element element. Yeah. It was, to me, I thought it was like Whitehaven back then was like, Folks with working class families, mm-hmm. but you had your little sons and daughters who had family in South Memphis that, you know, they wanted to still be kind of neighborhoodish. Right. So um, I, I saw that. It seemed like it was trying to be a little hood out there at that time. Okay. But you didn't get involved in any of those hood activities, did you? No. Did you because, see, I had, to, I had to come from New Jersey and okay. see when I came to Memphis, they was like, you got to say, yes, sir. No, ma'am. No, sir. I said, what? So they would say, John. And I'd be like, what? They're like, oh, no, sir. No, my shout out to my uncle, Uncle Rick. Uncle Rick. He, uh, he told me, Ellis Rankin, he said, down here, John, we say, yes, sir. When somebody asks you something or no, sir, no, mm-hmm. that blew my mind because I'm like, you didn't say that in Jersey. No, we, no, we just like, say what? what? Yeah, like no. they say, Ena, what? Just straight, straight up. up, and that's just how I go. That's how I go. Wow. But they taught me manners, and they also taught me first impressions last a lifetime. Because mm-hmm. I, I was still, I had, I had my element from New Jersey with me, but I'm with around family that I don't really know. Mm-hmm. So I had to act accordingly and, you know, sit up straight and all that. Mm-hmm. But I still had that in me, but it was just like, I don't want to mess this up because right. here I am away from my whole family and I'm with new family. Mm-hmm. And they already told me, you got like one one time to mess up wow. or we shipping you back to New Jersey. And I didn't want to go back to New Jersey because I love it to death, but it was. It was. A, I would have been caught up in that element if I would have stayed in New Jersey. Right. That's what I was gonna ask you. Why you didn't, you know, want to go back home? Because you grew up in New Jersey, actually. Because mm-hmm. I know how I felt when, at the age of sixteen, I had to move with my dad. Mm-hmm. Just uprooted and had to move, and I was heartbroken. That's a struggle in itself. Yes. Big transition. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yes. that's what it was for me, and I was like, okay, do I go down here and bring that same element? Mm-hmm. Or do I like, yo, let me get myself together. And then people were like, yo, you can play ball. Mm-hmm. That was my ticket out. Mm-hmm. But when I was in New Jersey, I really wasn't on ball like that because I was cool. Everybody around me was cool. I wanted to be that cool dude, dude the freshest yeah. kicks, everything. Mm-hmm. But I was taller than everybody. So mm-hmm. I was like, you the ball player. But I'm like, man, I'm I'm good. <laughs> so when I came down south, I said, yo, I, I had a sec- it looked at it as a second opportunity to change my life around and do something with basketball. Okay, so Whitehaven, how did you do with basketball? I, I was average at Whitehaven. You know, this was back when Penny was blowing up. You know, Penny mm-hmm. was Penny. I didn't know none of these cats when I came. They was like, yo, this is a guy named Penny Hardaway. He this, he that. I said, man, he, who, what? <laughs> man, the first game, we had a practice game against his team, and he jumped over somebody mm, else. Yeah, and I was like, out. yeah, I, I got real acquainted with who Penny was. Yeah. So shout out to Penny because um, later on in life, 
Penny was one of the first ones that let me live stream uh, his team, Leicester's basketball games. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how I got my claim to fame through streaming. I, I owe that to Penny too. So, oh, wow. but yeah, it, basketball was cool, and I ended up getting a scholarship to Tennessee Tech University from Whitehaven. I wasn't thinking about college like that when mm-hmm. I was in New Jersey, but when I came down here, and everybody said, "Oh, scholarship? Where you going?" I'm like, man, I'm, I'm still trying to be cool okay. and rap, you know. Right. But Coach Gary Stevenson. At Whitehaven, shout out to Gary Stevenson, Coach Stevenson. Um, he put in my mind, yo, you got an opportunity to, you know, get an education. Mm-hmm. That's not saying up north they didn't stress it, but that wasn't the the everyday talk. It mm-hmm. was like, yo, you got to be super great to go to a college. But down here, everybody was the talk was, you know, mm-hmm. get us get a scholarship. And I ended up getting one. And you had an advantage with your height. How tall were you? I was like six, when you graduated, six, seven, six, wow. six, six, seven. You know, How so. did it go at Tennessee Tech? It it went good. As a matter of fact, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna be real. I ch- I picked that school because I said, okay, this is a white school. This is way in the boondocks. Where is I'm Tennessee not, it's Tech? It's like on a, it's an hour from Nashville. It's in between okay. Nashville and Knoxville. Okay. Cook, Cookville. So shout out to Cookville. Okay, I want to make sure I shout out everybody. <clears throat> so when I went there, I said, yo, I'm going to stay out of trouble. You know, I'm the element is – because, see, I kept trying to get away from the element because I'm not going to lie, that was my issue, the element. So I, I did all what a teenage young black mm-hmm. boy would do. Mm-hmm. But I was trying to get away from the element and ended up running smack dab in the element because I hung with all of uh, the African-Americans. It was only a handful of us. Feel. You was in the element. And I was in the element. So, But I lived it, and I was a ball player, and I was a basketball okay. star, a quote-unquote quote star. So I was treated a little different, you know. Spoiled. So, spoiled a little. Spoiled from people, <laughs> like, after games, like, buying me food, buying me this and that. Mm-hmm. So I took advantage of that to the fullest. I'm not going to lie, you know. But it <laughs> it paved the way for my the rest of my life because I ended up being a, a leading scorer in Division One basketball my senior year. Awesome. So when what came with that was now I got some NBA people looking at me. I'm getting a couple phone calls. They're like, how somebody from Cookville leading the nation and scoring when you wow. had all these other star players back then, right? Mm-hmm. But I had fun doing it, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. So I got NBA. picked. I got, I got called. Got you the were call. drafted. I was drafted number 36. Wow. I know that mm-hmm. was exciting. It was exciting, but I, I was really just, I just wanted to go play ball overseas. That, that was my mind. I was like, y'all want to go overseas. Like, bump NBA, I want to go overseas. overseas. Right. Why? Now you got a different kind of element with NBA and money. It's mm-hmm. a different type of element. But you right? did go to NBA first, right? Yeah, I got drafted, and so I tried out. Got what it, I got picked number thirty six. So they told me that when when I right when I got picked, I had bust my tail up until I got the phone night of the draft mm-hmm. in the gym working running. The moment they called and said, "John, you watching the draft?" It was Willis Reed. Willis Reed called watching the draft. I said, "What?" He said, we're about to pick you. And I look at the TV, David Stern, with the 36th pick, the New Jersey Nets pick, John Best. He said, (laughs) he handed the phone to Chuck Daly, famous coach from the Detroit Pistons, right? John, we got practice in four weeks. Be ready. So I'm like, okay, cool. Soon as I hung the phone up, Ina, here come the phone call. John, we going out tonight. We about to go kick it. There go that element. element, (laughs) They're like, yo, John, yo, uh, your money not good. 
so this is why I'm real big on getting in young boys' minds and young ladies' minds. If you don't have somebody in your life, now I have people in my life, don't get me wrong, but remember, I'm only, this is my second, I was, I was in Memphis for two years, then I went to college, okay. right? So my senior year of college, I get the phone call to get drafted. About 21? 22, I was 22. 22. So I didn't have that strong enough, hey man, you know, my mother and father end up getting separated, you oh. know what I'm saying? So I'm really on my own. Mm -hmm. So I had some people in my ear, but it wasn't a strong pull. So once, once that phone call, I, I call it the phone call, that that kind of changed me because I stopped working out. You stopped working. You stopped. was the, you was partying. I was partying. I was doing everything that I shouldn't be doing, getting ready to go to the NBA camp. So I don't had I don't had no problem saying that because maybe to teach somebody or maybe to reach somebody, mm -hmm. don't stop. Mm -hmm. No matter even when them friends call you, no, nah, I can't mm -hmm. do. It. I'm trying to get ready. Exactly. But again, remember. I had a, a, an, a, I would call it a, um, a liking or yearning for that element, low key. Mm -hmm. You know, I wasn't doing nothing too crazy, but it was just that's what I was used to. Mm -hmm. Shout out to my all my boys back in Jersey because that's how I was. That was me. Mm -hmm. So New Jersey, I get there first day of practice. Me, yeah, I'm dapping up everybody. But really, it's like you're going back home. I'm going back home, right? Yeah. So yes, yeah, so that's the other element. I'm going back oh, home. Oh, your boys and them. Oh, right back where it started. Okay. Right. So it was good. It was good for the city from where I came from. Yeah. But the other piece was I wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? So I pretty much just, man, I bombed. Like, I just stunk up the place. I was Your rookie <sighs> year? <sighs> yes. I mean, like, this This was the summer. This mm -hmm. was the summer before the season. Mm -hmm. So they told me, well, John, um, we want you to go overseas and uh, develop a little more. Okay. So now I'm like, okay, cool. This is where I wanted to go anyway. That's where you wanted to go. But hindsight, I'm like, if I would have kept working out, mm -hmm. I would have been on super point. But mm -hmm. I was on my hand, <sighs> breathing heavy, mm -hmm. and it, it just didn't go the way I wanted it to go. So okay. then I went overseas. I went to France. Loved that. France mm -hmm. is the bomb. What did you love about France? Man, the, the people, the food, <laughs> the vibe. Paris, Paris, yeah. the number one city in the world to me. So mm -hmm. I speak French, so it was like, man, oh my goodness. <laughs> you learned it out there? I learned it out there. Okay. Yeah, so that was dope. So after the, the two years in France, they uh, I came back to New Jersey. So things was looking good. I'm now like, it was okay, time to go back to the time NBA. Time to go back, right. Mm -hmm. So now I had an agent who was like, um, John, we need to, we need to ask for you know, like one or two million dollars. And I was like, yo, I just want the minimum. And at the time, the minimum contract was like 180, I think 180,000 or 200,000. Why that did was you just minimum. want the minimum? I just wanted to get my foot in the door. Okay. I, you know, I was just like, yo, I want to like work, get in the door. And then, you know, that, that could go from 180 to three or four million. Okay. Long story short. <laughs> <laughs> Things was getting ready to get the popping, and my agent, uh, no, the, Willis Reed, he was the general manager of the New Jersey Nets. He called me in the office. Never forget the day. I mean, it was one of them big, had a big oak desk. The lights was kind of dim. And he was like, yeah, John, oh, I thought we had an agreement. I said, yeah, what's up? Your, your agent said um, he want a million for two years 
take it or leave it. There you go. I said, hold up. You fired. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because that's not what you, you told ain't him. that you work for me. Right. Right. So that being said, it was like take it or leave it. You done told the general manager take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, man. I said, okay. I said, I thank you for the opportunity. And then I just went on back overseas and stayed over there for the next like 15 years. Oh my God. Yeah. I know you hate that age. Not yeah. hate, but Yeah, I mean it, it was foul. You know what I'm saying? That was real foul. So all parents that got future basketball players, make sure you do thorough research mm-hmm. on these agents and all these people around your children. Right. You know what I'm saying? How did because you choose that particular agent? I really didn't choose him. Somebody chose him for hey, me. Hey, John, meet agent yeah. so-and-so. Right, because remember, I'm, I'm, I'm still wrong young, with it. Yeah. You know, I wasn't one of them kids who was being spoiled since 6th, 7th grade. You know, I came in 11th, 12th grade, balled out, got a scholarship, mm-hmm. worked out. But, you know, hindsight, looking back, it's just if I would have kept working out, mm-hmm. I would have been in a different situation. So mm-hmm. I went overseas and just started loving it since then. How long were you overseas? From 93 to 2007. Wow, that's a long time yes. overseas. Yes, loved what, it. What are like some of the biggest differences between ball in the U.S. versus overseas? Besides the obvious, I mean... It's, you got to get used to a different culture. Mm-hmm. Like imagine some people just, they drop you off in South Memphis mm-hmm. and you got to live there for 10 months. Mm-hmm. You got to adapt and adjust or you're going to be like, hey, get me out of here. Uh, like I've been in places where it was no hot water. Mm. It was places where I went to, uh, we had a game in uh, Serbia and Yugoslavia. Ooh, and I'm looking at crazy. buildings that were U.S. bombed. And mm. the people, they had no, like, look. It was just, like, a solemn look. Mm-hmm. I said, man, ain't no life over here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad I experienced it all because that all made me who I am today. So that's mm-hmm. why I, I can talk to the, the man that sweep up the garbage to the president. You mm-hmm. know, I know I can maneuver like that. Do you miss it? Oh, I miss Paris. Yes. <laughs> you miss the Paris. Philippines. I love the, <laughs> Phil- the Philippines is the bomb, too. What's so. going on in the Philippines? Man, it's it's. <laughs> I call it Fantasy Island. Really? Yes. I had a driver. I woke. I had a. When I woke up every morning, I had a cup of coffee on the side of my bed. As soon as I woke up, uh, they would say, uh, "Good morning, boss. What would what you want for breakfast?" Mm. They cooked my. I had a. I had two cooks, a chauffeur, uh, at one point a babysitter. Mm-hmm. So I, they they drove me everywhere. I didn't have to do nothing. So wow. that's why I said fantasy because you don't. What you want for dinner? Mm-hmm. I ain't had. I didn't have to wash dishes. Nothing. Wow. Yes. Treated like a, a king. It was like a king. Yes. Okay. I, Fantasy Island. Because <laughs> I, I, I've never seen it since then. Wow. Would you recommend young men to play overseas? I would recommend young men to do what's best for them. Mm-hmm. I think now some of the young men may not be cut out for going in some of these countries. Because remember, you got to take on a whole different culture. Like, mm-hmm. you got to act right. You can't get turned up in certain places because they be like, "Hey, we don't do that over here." Yeah. And like they they at night, like if we went to the club, you would see spot checks where the police would just be checking for you. Mm-hmm. And if you got anything crazy, you gone. Mm-hmm. So you just have to adapt and adjust. And I don't know if today's ball players 
have that in them to be able to get through adversity in another country without your boys, without your family, yeah. or without your mom. And to, you know, I'm not saying nobody can't do it, mm -hmm. but it, it's just, a, I think it's a little different right now. Wow. Yeah, and, and learning a whole new language. What about you in a place with nobody yeah. talking your language? Yeah. That's hard. Yeah, you, you have to learn and adapt. Yes. Definitely. So you've been through a lot of transition in your life. Yes. What brought you back to the United States? In 2007, mm -hmm. all right, I'm sitting at the crib. I just came home. We had, I was in France, and we just finished up a season. And next thing you know, I get a phone call, and it said, uh, you John Best? I said, yes. I said, you could be my daddy. I oh, said, wow. I said, what? So I'm like, uh, okay. Long story short, I said, yo, send me a picture of your mom and you. She emailed me a picture of herself first, and I was like, man, she got hazel eyes like my grandmother. So I'm like, okay. Then I said, let me click on the picture of the mother. As soon as I saw the picture of the mother, I went back 15 years in a split second. You remember. And I remembered. So um, then I had, we went, I met her, and I was like, man, she was like, she, I think she was like six foot at the time. So she's tall. Oh, that's your baby. Like, that's your <laughs> baby. baby. How old was she? 16? She was 15, 15. 15. Okay. So, wow. you know, to be real, ladies and gentlemen, she told me that she had been looking for me. She had tried to get on um, Ricky Lake or couple of them back back those shows back mm -hmm. then and um she got, she had tried to get with them to help find me and then she ended up going through the phone book and found me her mom was not telling her, her anything mom, about I her you mom, i think her mom just didn't you know her mom mm -hmm. just wanted to keep it you know under wraps or whatever mm -hmm. and so years later i asked her mom why and she said i didn't want to mess up your basketball career wow cuz that happened that was like my senior year and mm. basketball. Mm. So imagine if that would have happened, I would not, I wouldn't be talking to you today. Yeah. So I, I got to give her credit and, you know, respect for what she, she was, she was saying she was looking out for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I had no idea. But then, you know, I see, and now I see 15 years later, my daughter, and it's like, wow, that's 15 years. And those 15 years, was my balling year. Those was, mm -hmm. she missed all of that. So mm -hmm. that that crushed me. That mm -hmm. that crushed me. You wanted to be closer to her. Yes, yes, yes. I got four children, so that 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 would have been perfect. You know, mm -hmm. I could have, she could have came overseas. and But on the tail end, she got the tail end of my career. And that's what yeah. hurt me the most because she missed my balling, like balling out years, yeah. like shop till you drop. Like, you know what I'm saying? Get what you want on the menu and all that. Let's so, go to Louie, Daddy. Yeah, 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 let's do that. She, those were the days that, you know, she just missed that uh, the height of my career. So you just said, okay, no more basketball, I'm moving back. Well, I'm going to put it to you like this. Um, you know, um, to be real, I'm, and I can be real, right? Yes. Um, you know, the child support came and they told, I met with my lawyer. It's cause you know, now I found the father's here. You know, this is my daughter. I'm not contesting, this is mine. So the courts come into play. So when, you know, I got served the papers, you know, I was cool, but I went to my lawyer and I'm like, okay, what, what does this mean for me, mm -hmm. right? So first thing he said, like, let's go back to year one of you playing basketball, add up all the contracts and like year 14, one money. Yeah, year one money to year fourteen money, 
and we had to come up with a figure that we will, may have to pay back. And mm. what they call it, arrears or yep. payback, right? Mm -hmm. So the number was something like 400 some thousand at the time, for 480, I think, you know? And I was like, I paused. 480K. 480K, right? So I'm paused. <laughs> now this is back in the day, so I'm thinking like, Yo, I was only making at the time maybe 200K, 180, 170. And I said, if I go back overseas, you know. But I'm also dumb because I'm thinking, if I go back, I got to pay all that back. Like everything got, I wasn't thinking about uh, put something on it every month, right? I'm just right. thinking, I got to pay this back. So, men, this is for the men out there, whether you're in a relationship or time. married. Do not make a life-changing decision without checking with your other half. I don't care if it's your girlfriend, uh, your wife. Please make sure before you pull a trigger on major announcements or things, check. Mm -hmm. I didn't check. With your wife? Didn't check. I said I quit basketball right now. I'm, I'm and retiring. she's used to this lifestyle that she was built. We had a mansion in Bartlett. Oh had a my. big house in Bartlett. Had a navigator. Mm -hmm. I, I was Doing I was living it. a baller's life. Now I was a thousandaire. I wasn't a millionaire. I was a mm -hmm. thousandaire. Yeah. So I was flossing a little bit. Mm -hmm. But when I stopped, it was like the family and her looked at me like, "You what? You know." And she was valid. Like, mm -hmm. what we gonna do? You know, we had some savings, but I made a decision, a rash decision, that could that that set up some failure down the road after that. Because mm -hmm. now here I am, I was at coming. I was like at the height of my career, on the downswing, but I was still making good money, mm -hmm. and I turned that down. So it mm. was like I stopped. And I got I was depressed for like two years. Like I can see how was, that caused depression. It caused it caused some issues, you know. But mm -hmm. but it got it got real. Lost I had to I traded in my navigator for a, a minivan, a Dodge Caravan. Hey, you had to you know do what, what you I had, had to do though. You know, I had got caught up in the housing market, so I had to lose oh. I lost the house, had to move in with it's about eight ish. Yep, yep. So Ooh, all right, all time, this, yeah, John. I'm going through it. So when we lost the house, it was like, now I'm looking at her, and she like she there, but she like this really you on you, you know, mm -hmm. and and I really didn't understand it until later in life that I made a, that decision that jeopardized the whole. It changed the whole trajectory of my family. Mm -hmm. So that's why men, I repeat. If you're making a big decision, don't make it on your own without checking with the missus or the girlfriend. It it may save your life. Real oh, talk. No. Real talk. Oh. So after that, you know, um, I was sitting around and I was like, I, when I when I left lost the house, I had my computers. That that was my biggest. I needed my computers, right? Because that's how I was learning all the stuff back then. So I had my computers, and that's what I just fell in love with. During, that was my escape mm -hmm. from the pain of all that was taking place. Now, what were you doing with the computers? You well, were entering the digital world? I was the digital world, yeah. Okay. I, was, I, was, I was like studying it. I was oh, okay. like mastering different things. Back when Photoshop was Photoshop 2.0, back in the <laughs> beginning. 
So I was learning all of that, you know, I'm still DJing and all that, but it was just learning websites, coding, graphics, mm -hmm. and all that type of stuff. Okay. So I was big, I was real heavy into that, okay. real heavy. So, you know, that that's why I think I love technology today, because that was my escape. Okay. So your wife, did she divorce you? No. So she stayed with you. Yes. She okay, did. good. Mm -hmm. I didn't know the story was gonna go like yeah, that. Uh -huh, she yeah. She forgave you. Man, yes. <laughs> but we we still dealing that that decision just messed it, it threw the relationship okay. for uh, a big wrench. So that's why people don't know what people say, but brother John be working a lot. Mm -hmm. I can't be in that position again. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I messed up. Yes. Okay. I'm the reason that we got in that situation. And for years, I would be like, nah, it wasn't me. I was like, denial. Mm -hmm. Until some years recently, I just had to be like, yo, that's mm -hmm. really my fault. Now I see why mm -hmm. she, you know, she was acting the way she did because I just upped and I'm the man. I'm going to make this decision. And we really no plan in place. Men. I repeat, I'm going to say it one last time. <laughs> Check with your other half before you make a big decision. Wow. So after all of that, John, how did you rebound? I, I saw the Mayor Harrington on TV. He was crying because he was saying he need help with these boys in the school system. It was like he was, it was I forgot what happened. He was just like it was so mm -hmm. bad. And I was, I was coming out of that depression stage, and I was like, yo. And in my heart, the whole time while I was overseas, I wanted to work with children, right? Just mm -hmm. when they would ask me, what you want to do in basketball? Something with children. Mm -hmm. So I said, yo, I need to get in the school system. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a job. Now, now I'm a hooper now. I went mm -hmm. from being the star player, mm -hmm. so I'm sitting at the crib, like, just doing nothing. Mm -hmm. So when I saw that, the light bulb went off. And my pops, he was a painter in Shelby County Schools. So I said, yo, is there any jobs available? And they said something about security. I said, okay, let me let me see what that's about. Mm -hmm. So I got, got in there. And I was like, okay, I'm around children, right? Mm -hmm. Now I'm a security guard. So now maybe I can put something in some of these children's heads mm -hmm. so they don't, you know, go down the wrong path. And once I did that, I was like, what school am I going to? And they sent me to Hamilton High School. Oh, wow. So I must pause and say <laughs> every the reason why I really love education and what I'm doing now was because of those students from class of 2009 mm -hmm. to like 13. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones that made me really love what I'm doing right now. They put it in me. Mm -hmm. Even though they said that was supposed to be the quote-unquote, you know, bad children, mm -hmm. they was little gods to me over there. They was, they, it was, that's the, the wrong, we should never call our children bad mm -hmm. or the worst or they terrible or they, no, they not. Y'all ain't nobody reached them yet. Wow. So over at Hamilton is where everything popped off. Okay, and would you say, like, the kids kind of gave you life? They did, mm -hmm. right, because I'm looking at, you know, we got, I got all kind of different children. This is South Memphis, so those ladies mm -hmm. and gentlemen who just think of South Memphis as, like, a mini Compton, you know, low level, low key, <laughs> right? But if you up in that environment, you seeing these children coming to school with all kind of issues and you know, you, you got the blue hair, the red hair, the, the piercings, the cool clothes, all – but they still children. Mm -hmm. So I'm, these children been told you ain't going to never be nothing or this. But I'm telling you, you're going to be somebody. You're going to do this. You're going to mm -hmm. make it big. You're a rapper. You're going to be a rapper. You know, mm -hmm. 
it was fighting a mindset that you ain't going to be nothing. Yeah. If you tell somebody that over and over, it's going to take a lot of, yeah, you're going to be somebody. You gonna, you gonna, it's, it took a lot of work. Reinforcement. Yes. So yeah. that's what we was doing over there. So when we got to Hamilton, let's say it was like 300 and plus worse incidents mm. a year. After two, three years, we got it to under 50. That's a big change. It's a big change. Okay. So I got to shout out my man, Michael Bates, who was the principal at the time. Andre Muhammad, he was the other officer with me. And uh, it was a, it was quite a few people. But we worked together and showed that love to those children. That's mm -hmm. why if we see any of our children from Hamilton, they yeah. know what it is. They know we went through some stuff now, yeah. but they, they just need people to listen to them. That's true. And you know what? My dad taught ROTC at Hamilton. I want to say around that time. Do you remember an email, Sagi? That name sounds familiar. He taught at Hamilton for a minute. but he, Really? But what you're saying is familiar to some of the things my dad said to me about just him coming home from work, talking about his day and talking about how they need, you know, teachers to just reinforce yes. positivity into their life. Got, got to. You got to, you got to put. Put down the Ina Esco, the podcast mm -hmm. queen, and yo, can you be Miss Esco? Or could you be Ina this day? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Because they don't care about titles. Our students be like, man, we don't, who, yeah. what? Don't care about <laughs> titles. Now, I'm, and I share this with you. We was doing so good that we had a, a someone famous from the state, let's just say like that. Mm -hmm. They didn't believe what was happening at Hamilton, right? So he comes up, yo, John, da, 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 you know, take me around, show me what's going on with Hamilton. I said, okay, cool, you you coming to here? Before we even got out the office, a little girl came up to me and said, Officer Bass, look, I tried to kill myself last night. Oh, no. So she pulled up her arm, cuts, 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 cuts. So I said, I looked at him, I said, see, this is, this, you wanted to see, this is what it is. Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, I got, I got an appointment, I got to go. Oh. So that's when I started looking at the politics and, you know, and the people that want to be around or want to take pictures. Yeah, I'm giving them hamburgers and hot dogs, take pictures, but you ain't really there. Right. You know, so I learned a lot of the game from those students, mm -hmm. you know, and you can't just say, I'm going to be there. I'm going to take pictures with you and then you'll never come back and check up, reinforce. Yeah. That's what these students need and people got it twisted. They just want to give them t-shirts and food take a picture. and take a picture. Post on social False. media. Please don't do that, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. They need your time. Yeah. Forget your title. Forget your money. Right. Be yo, I got issues at home. Ain't nothing like time. Nothing like time. Mm -hmm. I take time over money any day. Yeah. Now, John, how did you transition from being a security officer uh -oh. at Hamilton uh -huh. to becoming the GM of the <laughs> Shelby County right. School. Okay, I'm gonna give it to you, Red. Like everybody that that know me, that's a huge transition. That's a huge. That's a very big trend. A lot of people still got a problem with that today. And that's okay. Tell that's, me, that's all right. tell me, how did you transition? So what happened was, while I was an officer, I had, I was DJing some of the parties at Hamilton and. You know, I was doing, I remember the technology. Remember I said I was studying the game during mm -hmm. my depression. So I was doing stuff with videos. I was, you know, streaming. And I bought, I introduced streaming at Hamilton. And um, that's when I said Penny was one of the first that let me stream a game. Mm -hmm. So it was like Hamilton and Penny, when he was at Lester Junior High, 
that's when I was testing it. And that was a big deal because that was really when streaming first came about. Right, and I was the first one to really do it like the way I was doing it, right? So while I was an officer, sometimes I was like, you know, let me do this. And people like, man, you should be getting paid for that. Man, you should charge them for that. My thing was, I want to test. I want, like, research and development. Mm -hmm. So with some couple of students that was like, yo, let's start a little club, let's stream games and stuff like that. And while I was doing it, I had some other ideas that I wanted to share with the general manager of the building that we are in right now, right? Mm -hmm. So I had an idea that I wanted to partner with 88.5 and C19 and do a like a what is it like a health fair at, at the with the, the park behind Hamilton High School. It's a park back there, right? I said, man, invite people out, let's you know party and get you know blood pressure checkers again. Here I am for community. Wasn't thinking at the time, but it was like, yo, they need help. Had a conversation with the brother at the time, and he said, uh, you know, you know, you don't have a name. You're not good enough. The person that was the, over. The person that was over it at the time, yes, okay. right? And at that mo moment, and I do want to share this, ladies and gentlemen, pay attention, because just because somebody say no mm -hmm. don't mean that it's over, right? Mm -hmm. So I respect it. hit me for a quick second, like, huh? Because I'm thinking, hellfare, you know, like, it's not about me. It was just like trying to merge the two. So when I left the office upstairs, right, I was walking down, and I just touched the wall. I, like, touched the wall, and I said, one day this place going to be mine. Wow. And this was 20... 13, 2013, 2014, right? Mm -hmm. I had my officer uniform on, and I touched I touched the wall as you go out the door to the lobby, right there, I touched it. I had vision. Mm. So that's why I really didn't get upset or hurt when he told me. I said, okay, well, that's cool. I'm, I'm glad you told me no, because it made me step my game up even more. Okay. So a couple years later, maybe a year or two later, um, the district started seeing my work, right? Because mm -hmm. I was working with children, and then they started hitting me up, yo, can we do some stuff uh, for the district and the superintendent and different things like that? So I showed them what I could do, and a position came up, and I was over here as a videographer in the beginning. Okay. And once I got my foot in the door, you know, it was like, yo, I got I to gotta keep working. I mm -hmm. ain't going to stop. I, I got I to gotta keep going. Okay. So that's 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 how it is. And so once I got here, I just took off running. I said I, I said I, I got to work hard to the point where one person said they pulled me to the side and said, "John, you got to start working. So you're making us look bad." <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay, noted." Mm -hmm. But I didn't stop I'm because sure that person is no longer that here. Person no longer here. But that vision, if I told myself in 2013. One day this place gonna be mine. I gotta work, 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 work. Now it wasn't like I set out like, yo, I'm just gonna do it. It was like, but I wanted to work. I wanted to work each day to show that person that I am good enough. So it was like a personal challenge. Go back to what I said. I'm in competition with myself, right? Because that person told me no, and I wasn't good enough. So I don't care what's going on. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, I'm gonna work my behind off. Because I want to show, ain't nobody going to outwork me. Okay. Okay. And, and that's how it go and down. And now you are here. You have the afternoon drive time on 88.5, which is a 
which is like one of the best, you know, parts, day parts in radio. Mm-hmm. How do you enjoy being an on-air personality? I think I was born to be at this moment doing exactly that because mm-hmm. my finger is on the pulse of the city, right? Mm-hmm. When, when I say pulse, that mean like the parents, mm-hmm. you know, the, of children that go to Shelby County School. Let's say that, right? Mm-hmm. I know my lane. And I know that those parents love good music, whether it's mm-hmm. old school or not. They just like good music, and they want to be able to be in the car and not have to worry about somebody cussing or saying something vulgar while they're in the car with their children. Mm-hmm. No shade or hate to those that do that. But if it's my responsibility, mm-hmm. and I know my training is to go after the youth mm-hmm. and to go after the families, I'm going to do all I can in those four hours to uplift, inspire, educate, mm-hmm. motivate, play the right song. Because you know in, in radio, that one song could change your whole entire mood. Yes. Well, you could have been having a bad day, you yes, know. Yes, that song like, can man, take you back, take you forward. Right, right. Music change, does that. Right. So I'm trying to change people's moods daily. And, and, like, I don't just let the system play automatically, right? Mm-hmm. I can... The kind of freedom we have, and since I'm the general manager, I can change the format at any time. So if Mm -hmm. it's raining, I can play some songs about rain or some songs Mm -hmm. that change that. And that's what I think why I'm doing what I'm doing is because the people have responded to what I set out. And it's all about the people. And you know what? I'm glad you mentioned format. Because, you know, just with a radio background, I think of all the stations I worked at. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a strict format. Right? Come on, say it, say that, say <laughs> a that. A strict format that you cannot go out can't of deviate. the box. Right. So you have so much flexibility and room to be creative here. Right. That's what I've noticed immediately. Right. And, like, this is like a jock's paradise. Exactly. But you said the one key word, which you just said, was freedom. Yes. It's a lot of people that think they free, but they not, right? Mm-hmm. Now, even though I have freedom, I, st- I still have that urban, you know, urban AC format, but that's a wide-ranging format, oh, right? yes, it is. So I can play some old-school rap as long as I'm not playing nothing that is, you know, I'm, we're not playing trap, we're not playing nothing heavily with profanity, but mm-hmm. it's a lot of songs out there that's that's family friendly that's you know you don't have to worry about that and right. i just thrive in it i love that that right. that's the part where i really love because i have freedom where i mean we all know what it is some people can't just go on the radio station no, and it don't work like that i want to play uh salt and pepper push it or uh, not today right now, you better wait till 12 <laughs> o'clock or saturday after 8 p.m how about no so yeah and i don't take i don't take that Lightly, so with the position that I have, you know, some people thought that I wanted this position just to say the title, you know, general manager, right? Mm. And I wanted like that would mean I would be in an office, right? That ain't me. I have never seen you you in an office. You you have not seen me in an office, (laughs) right? No, no. Because I want to be amongst my team because Mm -hmm. I want them to know and believe without a shadow of a doubt that our manager is right here next to us. He's not in the back room say, hey, y'all do that, do that, do that. Now I'm going to work with you. And if you're not here, I might, I still know how to do stuff. Mm -hmm. So I never wanted to separate myself from the team. And that's why 
I don't like titles. Yes, I love yes general manager, but I think brother is the best title than any title out there because if I'm your brother, mm-hmm. come on now, you got whatever. If I'm eating something, you eating something, mm-hmm. right? But if you got a t- if I was living on that title, oh, Ina Esco, oh, have her meet with my assistant before mm-hmm. she meet with me. Huh. What, you checked that out because I don't want to be wasting my time. Nah, what's up, Ina? Let's make this happen. Mm-hmm. And long as I'm doing it under the confines of our superintendent and board for Shelby County Schools, they trust the, some of the decisions that I make, so I don't take that lightly. So that's why I may, mm-hmm. I may push it to the edge, but mm-hmm. then I back up off of it because I don't want to, you know, take this position more than what it is. I want to mm-hmm. stay right in this area. And I love the freedom that I have. Mm-hmm. And I, I cherish that. Yes. And and you're very patient as well. Oh. Very patient, not in a rush. <laughs> I'm going to tell you where that to came do from. To do anything. Where did it come from? The day I became general manager, right? Mm-hmm. I called um, Mr. Fred Jones. Fred Jones, y'all know, is the man behind the Southern Heritage Classic, right? He's like, He's like my OG, as we say, right? He's mm-hmm. somebody that's the big homie, right? So I called him, and I'm, get, I'm getting hyped. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm calling. Man, I need, what's your, what's your tips or advice for me? Now I'm in this position because I also want to take a pause for that because he let us, um, he let us stream the Southern Heritage Classic, mm. right? Yeah. Because he met. I told him what we can do. We streamed it. So we've been cool ever since then. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking he about to give me a whole paragraph. He about to give me the knowledge like, mm-hmm. yo, brother John, this, this, this. <laughs> this man told me, be patient. And I'm like, <laughs> that's it. Fred Jones, the, the <laughs> man behind the Southern had 30 years. That man said, be patient. Mm. And, I, and I'm like, man, okay. I was hype, you know, mm-hmm. but I wasn't hype, hype. I'm like. Okay, be patient. So I went on <laughs> and started doing my stuff. Then I started seeing. Ah, Why did he say that? I, and now I got it. Now, mm-hmm. ain't, you can't rush me to do nothing. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, I'm going to be patient and wait it out. Mm-hmm. And he and that's what he said. He said, never be quick to make a, a decision. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have had that back when back I told you. Back then in the day when you was <laughs> playing then, bomb right. back then. Okay, mm-hmm. so as the GM, what is your vision hmm. for 88.5 FM and the C19 television station? My vision is to take it as far and high as I can by being innovative and outside-the-box thinking to to show not only this, the staff but the students mm-hmm. that you know anything is possible in media mm-hmm. so we we call this place the content creation center we want to create content every day like what we're doing right now creating mm-hmm. content i want to make sure my time here was not oh he just was a manager you know woo 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 nah he brought a part a podcast studio to the mm-hmm. program he took streaming to another level. we streaming graduations we doing all kind of stuff mm-hmm. so that when i'm gone they can say they can remember man during this time this man had vision 
because what they said, people without vision, the people mm -hmm. perish. That's so true. I can't help that I have vision and I got ideas for days. So I'm going to give you five, but I got 10 mm -hmm. on the back burner because you're going to deny it. I said, okay, I got another five. You're going to get one of these, these uh, ideas. So mm -hmm. I want to take it as far. I want to take it as far and high as mm -hmm. possible. Mm -hmm. I want to just smash records <laughs> right here. Just kill it. And you've been taking your time, too, because I remember when I came uh, to do an interview with you, that, that was over a year ago. I've seen mm -hmm. so many changes in just walking in the door. Yep. Off yep. top. Off top. I'm like, wow, right. I see like a dramatic change. Right. And that's what and that's what I want people to be like, yo, what you what you what you been doing? I said, yeah, that vision I had back in the day is coming to fruition. So mm -hmm. that's why I want to wow you when you come up in here. Mm -hmm. That's that's the whole. I want. I was trying to impress folks. That's what it was. Yeah, you doing that? You doing that? <laughs> now with you being on the air, you've talked to quite a few people. Yes. Like you never know who's coming through the never. doors. Right now, other than the interview with me, who right, have right. been some of your favorite interviews? Favorite interviews. I was the off top. I would have to say, um, Oprah's man, Stedman Grant. Stedman, you talked to Stedman. Talked to him twice. What he talking about? He helped me with identity. Mm. And when he was the first time I interviewed him, people were like, "You gotta ask him about Oprah. You gotta ask." Like, him why about they not mad? Right. You know, that, that right. question is and that, and asked. That was, right. And, right. That, and that that question kept coming. And I was like, nah, I'm not going to do that. So if he talk about it, he going to be the one to bring it up, right? So I'm sitting there. I got Stedman Graham, multimillionaire, you know, businessman. I'm hearing all this other stuff about him. And he started talking about identity. Mm. And he said, for years, I was known as Oprah's boyfriend mm. or Oprah's man, Oprah's friend. He said, that was my identity, but that was not me. Mm. He said, I got businesses all around the world. I'm, you know, he he went down his portfolio, what he did. And at that very moment, I'm looking at his face and I'm seeing the seriousness of him. I don't know where, who else where he talked or said this, but when he said, I'm Stedman Graham. Y'all may say Oprah's man, but I'm Stedman Graham. Mm. And after that interview, I'm like, yo, what if Stedman is the rock behind Oprah. Okay. You see what I'm saying? But it was like, yo, he just, that's a that's a friend. But yo, he may be the source. Mm -hmm. But the community and the media, that's just Oprah's man. Mm -hmm. But he changed my thinking on that because I said, yeah, you stepping grand from this day forward. I don't, mm -hmm. nope. And then when he talked about Oprah, he was just saying, walking in rooms and just watching how people react soon as she stepped foot in the room. Mm -hmm. Watching how people change and because mm -hmm. of who she is and the brilliant and the great woman that she is. So mm -hmm. that that was the that was the best. And then the, the I would say the one behind that was a former Ku Klux Klan person. Mm. And I, I'm saying I'm ranking it up there because you know in, in media, mm -hmm. in journalism, you can't let your feelings take control while you lie that mic live. Right. I can't, you know, really say what I want. But the the man during the interview was a black man and a white man, and the, they was on some um, like some kumbaya tour around the country talking about you know acceptance and all that. Mm -hmm. This man say in the middle of the interview, Ana, 
and I'm, I'm gonna have to get you the clip too. He said, yeah, I did some very bad things to black people back in the day. At that moment, <laughs> I'm seeing people hanging, I'm seeing murders, I'm seeing images of all kind of stuff. He said it to my face During and I couldn't interview. and I couldn't do or say nothing. You had to keep your composure. I had to keep my composure. I had like goosebumps, but I'm sitting there like, this man just said he did some very bad things to our people. And I gotta I got through the, the interview, but it took me like two days to really like get back to myself because I'm like, man, I couldn't do nothing. Mm. So that's why in, in this business, the journalism, you got to keep that composure because I don't want to make, oh, John lost his cool. or yeah. he, Now, I was justified like, yo, if I would have jumped across, <laughs> you know, yes, that's wrong, but I had to maintain. So those were, those two stand out to the, the best. Wow, yeah, you definitely have to keep your composure. And um, just listening to what you said, I know you have an affinity for women, mm-hmm. putting women in key positions. Mm-hmm. Why is that, John? I'm going to be real. The, fir- the first reason was because I know women don't get a, a fair shot, right? Mm-hmm. And then also somebody had told me back in the day that since everybody on this on Malcolm X right now, Malcolm kept women around him, right? Not not in a a, a Negro way. Mm-hmm. It was something about the women being around him with ideas and listening and women on a different wavelength than man. We all know that. Well, if you don't know that it right now, then that's, <laughs> you gotta need to go back and study some more. <laughs> women are not gonna be quick to say. Yes, they're not yes men, right? Women have a vibe that's totally different than men. Case in point, I let a man DJ on the station. They took us one way. But the woman who DJed had the place jumping. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Because they played different songs than the male DJ, right? But it was it was just a different vibe. And I want women to feel comfortable around here, and I want them to be able to be free to create and do their job. Yeah, yes, man, we've been killing and doing stuff for mm-hmm. years. What's wrong with taking a side step to let our sisters shine? We should we should lift our women up for real. Cause I, in my world, uh, heaven lies at the foot of a woman. Okay. And I know who a, what a woman is. Mm-hmm. So if you know a, who is a woman you would treat her totally different. Mm-hmm. We got people out here that don't even know who they are. So how can the world you say you know who who she is? Right. I don't want to get into that, but it's just, <laughs> that's why. You know, I know who the woman, especially I know who the black woman is. Right, definitely. Queen of the planet Earth. Yes. Mother of civilization. Yes. Okay, right, let me, yes. I'll, I'll stay right there. I'll stay right there. Now let's jump into some current events. Uh-oh. John. Current events. Yes. Now I know you stay updated on the latest and greatest because mm-hmm. you're on air every day. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot going on in the world right now. Um I'm sure that you're very familiar. You already mentioned Oprah. What about a girl, Gail King? You know, mm-hmm. we can go from a journalism mm-hmm. standpoint. Mm-hmm. And she made some remarks. You know, mm-hmm. I know you've probably. Did you ever play with Kobe back in the day? No. No. no, no. I he played with younger. his cousin. Though. I was uh, His cousin was on my team. Okay. So, uh-huh. But I'm sure his death affected mm-hmm. you in yes. a major way. Yes. Right? Yes. So we all know Gail was pressing Lisa Leslie mm-hmm. on that interview about. Right some bad behavior he had 
um, that he was accused of back in the day. Right. That he went through trial. Right. It was over with. Right. And she pressing Lisa Leslie now. Mm-hmm. It's like almost in my eyes, she wanted her to say something bad about Kobe. She did. she did. What do you think about that interview? And what are your thoughts on Gail King today? Gail is Oprah's friend. Gail is Oprah's friend. All right, let's, let's, let's just be clear. We know that. That's her friend. Mm-hmm. We don't know if Oprah wasn't there, would she still be in that? We don't know, right. right? But from a journalistic standpoint, I think she crossed the line. Me yeah. personally, I think she crossed the line. In the journalism, I, people want to say, well, she had to get to the story, this, that. Okay, but not at this time. I'm not, no, you. it's too fresh yeah. to do that because his, his, his family, not mm-hmm. just his wife, his, his family, they grieving. go grieving. Yeah. And this wasn't the time for that. Now, were you trying to make a name for yourself? Were you trying to, you know, you trying to get likes? You doing it for the clout? Because, you right. know, the R. Kelly piece right. and how she was. The only thing I would say, keep that same energy to Harvey Weinstein, mm. some of these other folks. Mm-hmm. Keep the same energy. If you don't keep the same energy, I really lost all respect for you. Yeah. Do it for the. The same now. I, w- I would love to see that same energy. Yeah, because mm-hmm. we often hear about how Gail and Oprah—they really don't. They're not checking for the wine scenes, right. or you know. Why you? Why you think that? Because they the folks with the money. To be honest, I think Harvey, Harvey and Oprah—they've been cool for a long time. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking Harvey and Oprah then had some back deals mm-hmm. going on, and she don't want to mess her money up. Well. We, we like you said, let's watch the energy. Let's watch the energy. <laughs> let's watch the energy. Yeah, let's watch the I, energy. I judge people on their energy. Right. Let me see that energy, that same energy, and right. then I'll make another decision. Okay. Now, NBA All-Star Weekend just happened. Dope. And I know you was checking it yes. out. Uh, I, I got a little a little in looking at the uh-huh. dunk contest while uh-huh. I was at a dinner. Right, right, right. <laughs> So what do you think about the judges with that dunk contest? I think Dwayne Wade got <laughs> Dwayne Wade got too much stuff on his mind. I was that think, what it was? I think Dwayne Wade shouldn't have been a judge for that. Why because, not? Because he's dealing with his personal stuff where he's dealing with his family and mm-hmm. stuff about his son. He messed it up. I personally I think Dwayne Wade messed it up. I think okay. he I think he why would he be a judge anyway? You know, mm-hmm. I'm just like, nah, is it, you know, because he's not in the league no more. They trying. I saw him at the judge. I saw him hosting some. Mm-hmm. It was like, let that man do deal with what he need to deal. I know it's, I know he, NBA, everybody know him, but it was just like, it just didn't seem right as, you know, why not uh, Vince Carter, somebody mm-hmm. like that to be a judge. Like or, a legend. A legend. But even though he's still playing, but like somebody on a level that's known for dunking like that. Mm-hmm. So when he made the – when he, he didn't want to, you know, give the man the score, it just seemed like – What's up yeah, with yeah, that? Right. And if you go back, Kenny Kenny Smith looked at him, didn't even want to like – he was sitting next to him. He turned his back to him a little bit like, man, dude, you know what you just did. Yeah. See, in the NBA, in the basketball world – Watch body language. That's mm-hmm. how you tell what's up with people. When mm-hmm. I saw him turn his back to him a little bit, like, man, dude, you know what? You just messed up the perfect. <laughs> this was one of the best dunk contests and yeah, best games ever. Good. Yes. It was pretty good. So wow. I, I loved it. I loved it. We also mm-hmm. had two former students. We had one current student who was there mm-hmm. working, and we had a former student that was down there doing some uh, coverage of the games. Wow, really? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. So, 
Generica Owens and uh she's down at Clark Atlanta. She mm-hmm. she want she want to be like a future you, you know. She okay. she got that pizzazz and then uh Marquette Walker who's a, a senior at Middle College. He takes mm-hmm. the program here and um he was so excited. He like, "Mr. Best, uh the NBA said I can come to the All-Star game and mm-hmm. and I said, "Man, we'll make that's the best a great of opportunity. it." Right. So that's what that's the thing we're about here. Mm-hmm. Creating opportunity. What I'm gonna look like, man, you don't need to be going. Mm-hmm. Man, can I go with you? You know, stuff like that. No, nah, create opportunities for the put them in real life situations. And so I, I was Definitely. very glad about that. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now you already mentioned Dwayne Wade. Uh, that's a perfect segue mm-hmm. into some recent events. Um, you know Boosie, right? Boosie Bay. I saw the video. I <laughs> saw, saw it. I saw the video. Boosie yes. went in on Dwayne Wade, mm-hmm. but he automatically assumed that they're ready to get Zaya's uh, penis so taken off. Right. And they've never mentioned anything about surgery. Right. To but, make him officially a girl. Right. So when Boosie I saw that video, I was like, <laughs> I said, I said, you, you in Planet Fitness doing this video? Like, oh Planet Fitness? That man, I mean, I follow him. He mm-hmm. says whatever's on his mind. He do. Right? Right. But he went in. So everybody is buzzing. It's a hot topic about right. Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union, you know, just really backing their child for saying mm-hmm. that they're of the other sex. He says right. he's a girl. And yeah. the family is standing behind him. Her. Right. Her. Right. What are your thoughts? My and he's thought, 12 years old. My thoughts is he was he was born a boy, right? So whatever happened to cause him to want to do that, you know, that's his business. But as a father, I, for me being a father of three girls and two boys, I would say that's unconditional love mm-hmm. that Dwayne Wade is showing because you don't know what will happen until it happens to you or your family. Or mm-hmm. what if your child, mom, I want to, you know, I think I'm a girl, or a girl say, oh, dad, I, I want to be a boy. How do you handle the weight mm-hmm. of that, right? right? Somebody that you gave birth to now, your this baby. this your baby telling your you baby. that, right? So all I I'm looking at it from a father's standpoint. That's unconditional love because if you standing by your child through mm-hmm. a decision that they want, if they wanted to make it, whatever, we don't know what's going on in that household. Mm-hmm. So I really can't speak on it. But from a father's standpoint, that's unconditional love that he's showing. Yeah. Is it wrong? It's like a six and a nine, how you look at it, right? Mm-hmm. How you, you know, some people say, well, he was born a boy, he a boy, you know, whatever. My thing is straight unconditional love to accept his son or daughter, whatever. That's his, that's mm-hmm. their business. Yeah. And we, sh- I think people should learn from that. Because look at Magic Johnson's son. Has anybody said yeah. anything to Magic? Like, Probably you know, not. I, why, I haven't seen him make a big ruckus You see what I'm it. saying? And yeah. everybody's making memes about Magic's son and this. Ain't nobody has magic. Well, did Dwayne call magic? We you, you mm-hmm. don't know. Yeah. Why ain't nobody said nothing? Yeah. We're, we're watch the energy. Watch the energy. Watch the we energy. We are living in some, you know, interesting times. I think right yes. now. Yes. You know, a Very lot of interesting. a lot of issues are at the forefront right now that we've never really 
you know, touch base with. Right. So look at look at how everybody talking about uh, Malcolm X now because it's on Netflix and right. I just had, you had brother Nori. Nori on. Right. I saw and, it right, on Netflix. Right. So Nori said something when he was here that that made a lot of sense, and he was just saying like they were watching. Malcolm and Elijah Muhammad for like eight years prior to his assassination. Mm-hmm. If they had something on the nation, couldn't they have, you know, bought it out? You know, mm-hmm. that's what he said when he was here. Right. So then, you know, I went and I looked and um, you watched. I, it? I hadn't, I hadn't watched the the documentary yet because mm-hmm. right? I, I already know. Mm-hmm. I, I already know what it is. Just mm-hmm. say that, right? Mm-hmm. So I was looking at the image of Malcolm's body, right. Uh, the 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 day he was killed, and you got three bullets that looked like a it was two and then one looked like a a, a, a triangle. Now, and that was on his heart. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, I you know if that's little 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 Johnny from around the corner, he he's shooting. At, you like you might get him in the arm, in the stomach. It was three concisely, right on his heart, and I was like. That's all I need. I said, no, we don't. Professional yeah, right we don't there. shoot like that. We, you know, we might shoot you on the neck or something like off to the side or shoulder. Yeah. So when I saw that, it's like, you know, I, I just hope that they open the case back up because they mm-hmm. said it was supposed to be locked for fifty or seventy years. Mm-hmm. Why did? Why? Why was it like that? But right. I'm not in position to speak on it. But mm-hmm. I'm going off what Brother Norrie said. And what I saw on the mm-hmm. Google image of that those gun wounds, okay, that, that that looked like a sniper to me. Okay, very professional. And you mentioned Brother Nuri, and I was up here that day when he came, and I was like, "Who is that?" Did you see that? the en- energy? Did yes, you, you felt the energy. Look, I was like, "Who is that in the right. room with John?" Right. Went right. to the elevator, ran dead into him, introduced myself, and yeah, you can feel the energy. Right. You definitely can feel the energy. Now, was Brother Nuri on tour? Like he was here. He was here for. They had an event. Um, mm-hmm. something about Black Love, the power of Black Love. Okay. It was an event, and uh, I forgot this. The sister that was in Hidden Fig, Hidden. Um, you remember it was Hidden, hidden Figures. Hidden Figures. Yeah. yeah. Hidden. Not Hidden Figures. About the the scientists. The not women. the ladies. The other okay. thing about the. It was like four of them about Black History. Hidden Colors. Okay. Well, she was the star of all of them. She was in there on, I forgot her name. I know. Who Ali. Shirazaha Ali. Okay. So her and Nori was here for an event. Okay. And since I know Brother Nori, I, you know, I was trying to make sure I get him because he's powerful in what he mm-hmm. said. And the other thing, I'm going to bring him back because he has a book, uh, Before I Say I Do and After I Say I Do. Mm-hmm. And he said, when you choosing a mate, uh, or wife or husband, that's the most important decision that you ever make in your life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just hearing that little snippet, you know, you think about that. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at relationships today, you know, yeah. why are we with these people? So he's a good brother, very intelligent, and he is uh, somebody that we're going to be hearing from years mm-hmm. to come. But you felt very his nice. energy, I though. I did, right. I did. Oh, man, folks been blowing me up like, mm-hmm. man, who is that? Man, we need more talk like that we mm-hmm. need to know that black history is a whole year and not one month yes i'm going off the energy of the feedback so yeah yeah and we are bringing february to a close and i know that oh, yeah, 88.5 has been very vocal about yes. black history why is that so important because let's say 
if Memphis is how many percent of African Then there's 70. Right. 68? Okay, say 68. Well, that intentionalism is based on that 68. A lot of that, say, say 50 of the 68 don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that, right? If we got a platform where we can inspire them to let them know about, you know, I, I don't want to focus on Martin, Rosa Parks, and Frederick Douglass or those. Not saying I don't want to do it, but we've been inoculated always, with that. Yeah. I want to tell you about all these other people. And here people here, um, I play this song, Remember to Remember by Rick Holmes, but start on my show every day. It's an eight-minute song, but it's talking, it's something. It's motivation, inspirational. And we have different vignettes going throughout the two-hour hour to just let people know, hey, it's people out here doing things, right? Mm-hmm. But if we didn't have this platform, where would people hear that? Yeah. You're not going to hear somebody talking about black history after Little Baby. No. You're not going to hear <laughs> um, t- a tank record and hear somebody talk about black history. Mm-mm. But if we're in a position, back to that freedom that I have, mm-hmm. and it's educational, mm-hmm. are you going to get me because I'm playing something that's educational during a month that's for black history, mm-hmm. and I'm not being degrading of our women or talking about drug selling and all that? Get me on that then. Right. But I want to use this platform to educate always. Even if it's not black history, you're going you're gonna to get this work now. <laughs> they gonna get it. Huh? They gonna get it. Yep. <laughs> By the end of twenty twenty twenty, you gonna they gonna get this work. They gonna get this work. Well, brother John, I just wanna. Thank you so much for being my guest for episode 108 of the Verbally Effective Podcast. You have told us your story, and I want to ask you one more thing. Uh Uh-oh. Is there anything that I did not ask you today that you want to share with the Verbally Mm. Effective audience that's Mm. on your mind? Hmm. Anything. Three words. The thing that I base everything on mm-hmm. and I got this from to be real I got it from Scientology you heard of, science, you yes. heard of Scientology alright well I studied with some people from Scientology Did in you? Nashville yes about 8 years ago are you a Scientologist? No, no 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 I'm not a Scientologist but I studied some of their teachings let's okay. say that right and I came across three words in this one particular uh, technology that they shared with me. And it was be, do, have. Okay. Right? So when I saw it, I said, be, do, have. And it broke it down. It said, what happens in life, people always say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And what will we say? I want to be a teacher. I want to be, you know, something. That, I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a lawyer, a yeah. doctor, right? Yeah. They teach that's the wrong way to come at the question. Mm -hmm. They said, what do you want to have in life, right? So then you start, it's a little different. So when you say you want to have something, okay, well, what do you got to do to have that? Mm. And then how you got to be in order to do for that which you want to have. And that blew my mind. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay. So then I said, if I want to have a radio station that's popping, what I got to do to make it popping and how I got to be to make it. So I got to do more than the average, Mm -hmm. right? And I got to be aware of 
Ina on, bring Ina on, bring Kevin, Kathy, Michael, put the right pieces together in order to have that which I want to have. So the three words that I apply to anything in life, friendships, business, relationships, be, do, have. I feel it's nothing that I can't have. Nothing. Yes. I, I feel that confident. If I really want this, I'm going to make it happen in one mm -hmm. shape, form, or another. So that's why I said earlier I'm in competition with myself. So mm -hmm. I don't have time to worry about the next man or woman or the next station. I'm focused on me. I'm trying to outdo me. Mm -hmm. That's why I work so much. People don't, they, they see the fun stuff, but you, you know it. I'm here all the time, mm -hmm. even on the weekend. Yeah. I'm not here to be, oh, I'm the general manager. Nah, mm -hmm. I'm here. I want to make, I want to make some waves yes the right you've way. been making some waves <laughs> and yep. you are definitely a treasure in memphis well i appreciate you that. are and but i didn't get here by myself but uh yeah. it's a lot of people along the way but I, yeah. I i thank you for even thinking about having me on the show because i really don't get a chance to really tell a, a part of my story because you know i, I don't i'm not that i don't like talking about it but it's like I tell it when I need to tell it. So mm -hmm. I guess you at this time, yes. right now, in this area, you're doing time. perfect time. Yeah. I was patient. Yeah. I, was, I was 108, so it's cool. I was patient. You're good. 108 is a beautiful number That's now. Right. One plus zero <laughs> plus eight is nine. So. But thank you. You're welcome, Brother John. Thank you for being my guest. And I know you have so much more to accomplish. And yes. I'm just going to be here to assist. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Brother John. Episode 108 of the Verbally Effective Podcast.